بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونتوب إليه إنه على كل شيء قدير ونصلي ونسلم ونبارك على محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه ومن تبعه بإحسان إلى يوم الدين اللهم أنت نور السماوات والأرض ومن فيهن لك الحمد لك الحمد وأنت على كل شيء قدير We start in the name of Allah, the most gracious, the most merciful, the most compassionate. And we pray for peace and blessings upon the Prophet, his progeny, his family and progeny and his companions. And upon all those who follow the example of the Prophet until the final day. When, when forever we remind ourselves that Allah is the light of the heavens and the earth, the light, the luminous reality of the heavens and earth, whatever is in the light of Allah is good. And whatever is away from the light of Allah is not good. Without the light of Allah, there is only darkness and there is only loss. <coughs> Subhanallah. We live in a time that is by all measures odd and challenging. In the same way that living beings know the idea Living beings work according to the principles of infection and spreading when certain things dominate and others uh, decrease to the point of extinction. We live a time when I think that Muslims themselves are challenged in their very core and in their very, very being. There is a time when our very confidence, our very sense of certitude and assuredness in our faith, in our religion, in our history, in our civilization, 
has weakened among so many. It has weakened to the point that in so many parts of the world we often encounter those who call themselves ex-Muslims or even Muslims who consistently struggle with their own faith. It is sad and odd because as I said before and I will say again, Islam is the only religion that makes sense. It is the only religion that is not built on a tribal ethnicity and not built upon a Trinitarian fantasy that assumes that someone has to suffer other than ourselves, someone has to suffer for our sins. Or that assumes that Allah needs to create a divine being so that being can suffer for our sins, so that God, God's self can suffer in order to absolve us of what we haven't even done because that God had suffered before our very birth and our very creation as conscious entities. It is the only religion that is not confused about who precisely is God and who precisely do we worship. It is the only religion that strikes the balance between existing on this earth and living in a self-indulgent, narcissistic ideal. It is the only religion that calls upon its followers to understand that Allah is beauty and that beauty is justice and that without justice you miss the face of Allah on this earth. It is the only religion. It is the only religion that in its, is in a constant state of rebellion against oppression and despotism and ugliness. This is Islam, but it is not necessarily Muslims. SubhanAllah that we live in an age where Muslims think it is possible for the face of Allah to exist in the same space with injustice and that it is possible for the face of Allah to exist in the same space with oppression and it is possible for the face of Allah to exist in the same space with ugliness. May Allah forbid 
the very notion makes your spine tingle and makes you horrified. If you understand what a relationship with Allah is all about, you immediately understand the imperative of beauty, Hassan, justice, adl, equity, cost, and the ugliness of despotism, jabarut, wa istibdad, the ugliness of oppression and despotism. You immediately understand that Allah does not wish us to suffer. And you immediately understand that the very nature of Allah reminds us of our dignity that was granted to us as an entitlement by Allah. A Muslim that lives in anything but dignity is a contradiction in terms. All of these things we know intuitively and innately. But yet so many Muslims, instead of focusing on the most obvious points the most moral and ethical points go on to weave their own misery with their own hands to inflict ugliness and injustice and despotism upon their own progeny and generations to come. And when you confront them with the obvious They do whatever, what, what all mutanatti'oon fi deen, what all the obstructions through history have done, and that is to turn into pseudo-lawyers that sit there and quibble with you over details. They use the detail like, like, it's throughout history. They use the details of legalities to avoid the fundamental questions of ethics and morality. Truly, Truly, those are the people who have been misled by their own hubris hopefulness and it will come to confront the results of their misdeeds on this earth before the hereafter. A very good example of this is some of the responses to my last khutbah and other khutbahs in which I've spoken about love. One of the typical responses 
gonna read to you one of the typical responses we got. I'm going to skip the pleasantry. This was sent to, to me from Australia. I posted reference to the beautiful dua and while the negative response has been swift, the mind mindset of master-slave is too entrenched. One of the responses, quote, says, quote, where is the reference to this? I want Dalil, etc., etc. You wonder when you receive responses like this, when people react to discourse about loving Allah, whether these people know anything, anything about their religion or their tradition, whether these people in fact have a vested interest in an ugly religion, and a vested interest in their own ugliness, whether their ugliness dictates the narrative and their demand for narrative. Do I really need to remind people like that that if there was something that earmarked the seerah of the Prophet if there is something that would describe our Prophet it would be his deep unwavering love of Allah Do I really need to remind people like that, that Allah in his book said, that those who truly believe, the believers, are more ardent in the love of Allah? What does it mean? For when Allah describes the believers that surround the Prophet Muhammad He describes them, Allah describes them as أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ That the, the, the earmark of what they are is their urgent love of Allah. Do I really need to remind them that so many things in the past are similar to so many things of the present that when the christians of najran went to the prophet and said that we cannot follow you muhammad because we love jesus that Allah's, Allah in Allah's own majesty responded 
to the Christians of Najran by reminding them, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحُبُّونَ اللَّهِ فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهِ فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهِ وَيَخْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ Say, say, Muhammad, to the Christians of Najran, if you really love Allah, follow me. Because with me is the path of true love. يُحْبِبْكُمُ Allah, follow me, and Allah will reciprocate your love. Do I need to remind ignorance like that? That if you study what every commentator said about this incident, is that the Prophet ﷺ was reminding the Christians that you don't have a claim over loving God because no one has that claim better than us Muslims. قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ Say, if you really love Allah, follow me. يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهِ Follow me and Allah will love you because this is the path of love. Do I really never need to remind folks like this that again in the Quran that they seem to be oblivious to? Allah gives us a solemn and scary promise, a terrifying promise, a promise that should make all of us lose sleep and worry about our lives and our hereafter and our children and our grandchildren. When Allah says, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مَنْ يَرْتَدَّ مِنْكُمْ عَنْ دِينَهِ فَسَوْفَ يَأْتِي اللَّهِ بِقَوْمٍ يُحِبُّهُمْ وَيُحِبُّونَهِ أَزِلَّةٍ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ أَعِزَّةٍ عَلَى الْكَافِرِينَ يُجَاهِدُونَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ لَا يَخَافُونَ لَوْمَ تَلَائِمٍ Oh, Allah calls upon those who say they believe. Those of you who renounce their religion. مَنْ يَرْتَدَّ مِنْكُمْ عَنْ دِينَهِ It doesn't necessarily mean those who become apostates. Check the books. It is like the Muslims of today who have forgotten justice and beauty and equity, who've turned away from their religion. Those of you who turn away from the religion of Allah, renounce it, betray it, violate its sanctity, violate its essence. Is Allah going to replace them? Allah says, I will replace you. And I will replace you with what? Replace you with people who are good legalists? Replace you with better worshippers? Replace you with better obstructionists? No. Allah will replace you with a people that Allah loves and they love Allah. يحبون, يحبون ويحبون. 
again, because we are ignorant of our tradition, and we are miserable and we love misery, law says, if you lose your path, where you don't even understand how important it is for a Muslim to be in love with Allah, Allah will replace you. Allah will replace you with the people who Allah loves and they love Allah. Those who believe are more ardent in their love of Allah. But let's go back to I want the Dalil, which is the 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 rallying cry of every self-indulgent egotist and ignorant human being among Muslims. Not because they want evidence, but because if they were truly conscientious, they would find the evidence themselves. They would do their own research. Who else in any system of thought We always remain stuck at the basics because Muslims are so obstructionist that you can never get beyond the basics because every time they, you cover the basics, they tell you, give us evidence. And basically, th th this is a code word. It's an excuse to say, we exist in ugliness and we want to continue existing in ugliness, so don't bother us. Indeed, Indeed, the hadith oh, Allahumma as'alka hubbak wa hubba man yahibbuk wa hubba amalin yukarribuni ila hubbak Allah, I ask you your love and the love of those who you love, and the love of deeds who bring me closer to your love, is a well-established hadith. It was narrated by Mu'az bin Jabal. And also, in a different, slightly different version, it was narrated by Abu Darda. You can easily find it in a Tirmidhi and you can find several versions slightly different in Musnad Ahmad ibn Hanbal. You can find it in Mustadrak al-Hakim and you can even find it in Riyadh al-Salihin by knowing. I mean, just a little bit of effort would immediately tell you this hadith has been cited and quoted and referenced and studied and commented on for centuries. In fact, 
while one of the versions is declared authentic without any problems, another version that is recorded in Musnad Ahmad ibn Hanbal has been debated because it has in its chain of transmission Ali bin Abdul Rahman ibn Aisha and the credibility of Ibn Aisha was contested. Some said Ibn Aisha had a good memory, others said that Aisha, Ibn Aisha had a poor memory. But the debate is about the hadith that was narrated by Ibn Abi Darda, not about the Mu'az bin Jabal version. Both versions say more or less the, 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 the difference between them is quite slight. But do I need to give a lesson about chains of transmission in order to remind people of what Allah already reminded you of and told you of? And that if you have the slightest familiarity with the Sunnah and the Seerah of the Prophet, you would know that not only did the Prophet love Allah, but because of their love for Allah, the Prophet and the Alil Bayt and the companions loved each other in the sake of Allah. Not only that. Not only that, because it breaks your heart, the state of Muslims are in today. The Prophet ﷺ used to repeat this dua, and in several reports, the Prophet ﷺ would say, this was the dua, of Dawood the Prophet Dawood. Other versions, he, he, he would just repeat the dua, he wouldn't say this is the dua of the Prophet Dawood. And then the Prophet would comment that Dawood, the Prophet Dawood, was Abadiness was the strongest in Allah's worship. And not only that, but the there is an addendum to when the Prophet taught Muslims this dua. An addendum that has often sent me in deep reflection and with the response like the one I quoted makes me understand exactly why the Prophet put that addendum. After the Prophet says this dua 
the Prophet then comments in this addendum. Innaha haqq fadrisuha thumma ta'allamuha. In, that's in the, another version, slightly different, the Prophet addendum says, The difference is very slight. But what does that mean? The addendum says, This is the truth. So study it. Reflect on it. Ponder it. And teach it. It is as if the Prophet fourteen hundred years ago knew that the Muslims are going to be obstructionists and ugly. And so the Prophet was reminding us, this is the truth. So reflect on it, ponder it. You deadbeats, you zombie brains. Study it, reflect upon it. Teach it. Do I really need to remind people that again in Tirmidhi, the famous hadith narrated by Abu Huraira and others, where the Prophet tells us that God says, if a person loves to meet me, I love meeting the, him or her. And another version on Anas bin Abad bin Samit, bin Samit, this one in Bukhari. من أحب لقاء الله أحب الله لقاءه. Whoever loves to meet Allah, Allah will love to meet him or her. Haven't they read Bukhari? Or is it that they just like to spew out things? It is so anchored in our tradition. If you love, you actually look forward to meeting your beloved, the Divine, the Almighty. Allah is too generous, too just, too beautiful not to reciprocate. If you love, you will be beloved. If it is as simple as that. Think about the absurdity of saying, yes, I am a Muslim, but I don't know the love of Allah. Then you don't understand anything about what the Prophet was or what the, the family of the Prophet al-Bayt were, were about or what the companions were about. If your relationship is simply thaw, Obedience. 
do we Muslims really need a dalil to just use our brains and hearts? Do we? That when you say, which our ancestors said a million times, that if you worship Allah because you fear hell, or you worship Allah because you want Jannah, you will have what you want. Allah, because Allah is merciful and gracious, will, will give you your Jannah. Avoid your hell, but that your faith is wanting. Because if you worship to obtain a benefit, you are worshiping because you love yourself. But if you elevate yourself to say, I worship, not because I'm a child who wants to reward himself or to save his eye, but because I love the Lord, that that puts you in a different status? Do we really need Daniel for the obvious point? that the goal is to see the magnanimity and majesty of Allah and to feel the sweetness of Allah's love and to have to have that light between your hands that light doesn't come from slavish obedience, it comes from the sentiments of love. Do we really need the Dalil for that? Is that how low we've become? How ignorant we are? Sadly, sadly, the answer for so many is yes. Because their brains and their hearts have been set aside for so long. People, people, we have sullied our religion. The ugliness that Muslims inflict on their religion has produced people like ISIS and people like Qaeda and has produced a despot like Sisi in Egypt like MBS in Saudi and like the Crown Prince of Emirat. When you make religion ugly, you make it irrelevant and marginal, and it only attracts not the beautiful heart, it attracts the psychotic hearts. This, if you want to understand why is it, that the Emirat is having joint military exercises. They had joint air force exercises with Israel in Greece. 
And why is it that Sisi executes and tortures left and right? And why is it that MBS kills without hesitation? And why is it that the Emirates and Saudi are perpetuating a genocide in, the, in Yemen? And why is it that ISIS did all what it did? If you want to understand, then understand it's because of that system of belief that has made Islam ugly. And when it made Islam ugly, it made it inhuman. And when it made it inhuman, it repulsed people away. And when it repulsed people away, it repulsed the best hearts and the best minds. And when it repulsed the best hearts and the best minds, it attracted the worst hearts and the worst minds. And when it attracted the worst hearts and the worst minds, it attracted the psychotic and the troubled. And when it attracted the psychotic and the troubled, it became marginal on, in, on earth. You are committing a huge offense against the one and only true faith of Allah. And Anas bin Malik, a man comes to the Prophet والسلام, and after a short conversation, the Prophet والسلام, asks the man, What have you prepared for the hereafter? What have you are, are you are you taking steps to ensure? that you don't end up damned in the hereafter. And the man responds, I, I didn't, in terms of preparation, I, I didn't do a lot of fasting, and I didn't do a lot of prayer, and I even didn't do a lot of sadaqah. But, but, O Prophet of Allah, but, O Prophet of Allah, وَلَكِنِّي أُحِبُّ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولَهُ فَقَالَ الرَّسُولُ صلى الله عليه وسلم أَنْتَ مَعَ مَنْ أَحْبَبْتُ But the man said, I love Allah and I love his Prophet. Did the Prophet tell him, where is your Dalil? Where is your Islam? The Prophet's response is, then you will be with who you love. I am the first to say, to urge every Muslim to do their salah, to do their siyam, to give their sadaqah. This hadith for the Dalil people is in Bukhari. Hadith Anas bin Malik is narrated in numerous versions, slightly different, and is reported in so many books. Prime among them is Bukhari. But I love Allah, I haven't. 
my, my, my actions when it comes to fasting and praying and sadaqah is limited, but I have that love. I love Allah and I love the Prophet. And then the Prophet said, so you will be with who you love. What is wrong with us? Why has Wahhabism corrupted our soul to this extent? We don't even know our religion. Hasn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَجَبَكْ مُحَبَّتِي وَجَبَكْ مُحَبَّتِي لِلْمُتَجَارِسِينَ فِيهِ That even if المتجالسين المتزاورين المتبازلين even if you come together in a meeting for the sake of Allah what, what, is, what does Allah give you in return? Because you, you come together out of, for the sake of Allah. Wajabat mahabbati. Allah gives you His love. His love. The worst thing, the worst thing is the brain drain and the heart drain. The ugliness of those who led to the creation of a movement like ISIS results in a very concrete thing, and that's brain drain. People who are intelligent and gifted and who read and who study and who have big intellects leave Islam because they feel like there's no space for them in Islam. And people who have big hearts, loving hearts, not people who are bitter about the world, who are angry, who have poison in their hearts. The people who have love in their heart, they find no space in Islam. So they stay on the margins or they go to Christianity or they go wherever they go or they practice yoga or they do whatever because they can't imagine there's space for them in Islam. Well, I am here to tell you, as long as Allah puts a breath in me, I am not going to concede that space because this is my religion. And my religion is a religion of beauty and love. It is not a religion of vindictiveness, anger, and misery. There are a lot of people who are unhappy that they've been created. So the only relationship they have with Allah is Allah, we don't even know why the hell you created us. So the only relationship with, with you is that we will obey your commands. You obey, we will do. And then when we're done with this world, we, we, we want heaven. For these angry and bitter people, I tell them, then you don't know Allah. 
You don't know the sweetness, the majesty, the beauty. You don't know what it is to be grateful to Allah for the gift of life. Why? Not because you eventually want Jannah, but because when Allah gave you consciousness, Allah gave you that opportunity to love Allah. That once you taste that sweetness of the divine, you are intoxicated for the rest of your existence. And you say, Alhamdulillah, Allah, for creating me so I can come to know you. So I can come to know you. I don't need anything else. You are the it for me, the beginning and the end. The light of the heavens and the earth. The light of the heavens and the earth. Without you is darkness. In you is justice and without you is injustice. In you is beauty and without you is ugliness. We are at a crossroads. We are at a crossroads. The people who adopted the project of ugly Islam after colonialism have shown their true faith. And their true face is that the ugly, the ugly Islam was unsustainable. Sure, sure the Bernard Lewis's in the world is so happy with Islam in the same way when Wahhabism annexed the Hijaz. They were clapping and saying bravo because this is the true Islam. We don't like any other form of Islam. The ugly Islam is the true Islam. Today, Instead of Bernard Lewis, it's Bernard Haikel, who goes around saying, yes, this is the true Islam, bravo. But we are at crossroads. The Islam of colonialism, of harshness and despotism, the Islam of oil and gas and big money, and the Islam of justice and equity and love. We are at a crossroads. If the entire world follows the Islam of oil and gas and big money and bitter hearts and angry souls, you stay on your path. Stay on the path of light, the beauty of Allah, the sweetness of Allah's love. When you realize that when you love Allah, Allah reciprocates and it is such a beautiful love. Such a beautiful love. Allahumma ya Ali ya Azim. Rizukna hubba. Wa hubba man ya وحب عمل يقربنا إلى حبك اللهم اهدنا واصلح حالنا واهدنا لأقرب من هذا رشدا يا علي عظيم وانصر الإسلام وأعز المسلمين وارفع بفضلك كلمة الحق والدين الله bestow upon us your love 
and the love of those you love and the love of deeds that bring us your love and guide us to a greater sense of wisdom and knowledge of your true religion and grant to us the path of beauty and love in your way. Ya Rabbal Alameen.